I mean, you know? who was it? Uh, Russell Crowe. Wasn't he like a mailman or something? I, I didn't know. I think really? Russell Crowe got a real late start. He was like a mailman. Like, I'm going to Google it right now, but I'm like 98% certain he had came from very humble beginnings. I believe it, man. I feel like, it, especially when you have to, I guess, you know, switch up the industry or try really hard to do something different. Um, guys like, uh, who was I thinking about? I think I just lost his name. He does, uh, Jamie Foxx. Yeah. I don't know if Jamie Foxx had like money back way back when, when he became famous. I think it's because he just kept showing up to like these Hollywood parties. Like he just kind of forced himself on other, like, okay, well, that sounded wrong. I would say he forced himself on other people. (laughs) I don't know that. That's a substantiated claim. I meant to say like, he just kept like making sure his face was seen. And eventually I think he got some roles or got into music. I don't know, whatever, whichever one happened first, but now, you know, you know, uh, Academy Award winner, uh, for playing Ray Charles, Jamie Foxx. That's who yeah. he is today, and he's like a mega star. So the grind, man, the hustle, it's real. I'm going to take back everything I said about Russell Crowe because his Wikipedia page doesn't say anything about it. So uh, for the record, I didn't say any of that. <laughs> All of his work. Gladiator was one of my favorite yeah. movies growing up. Absolutely. Um, Let's see. Are you not entertained? Yeah, it's, it's like... I think he's like, what is it, like, father to a murdered son, like, husband to a murdered wife, and, like, servant to the true, like, emperor. This shit, that shit got my blood pumping, man. Does he finish it by saying, like, and I will have my vengeance? Yes. Or am I mixing it up with another movie? <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, think, I, think he, I think he does say, I will have my something. It, that, uh, that scene got me hard. Just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a real response to that, dude. So I was going to let you have that moment. Nah, don't <laughs> That's not making it on the pod. <laughs> yeah, okay. What could you fuck, dog? LCB, what gang you bang? LCB, dog, tell the world what LCB means. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome to the Two Asian Podcast. My name is Vinny. I'm Joe. Uh, what's on tap today is movies. Uh, last episode, we talked about sports. And to this week's episode today on January 12th, it's a Saturday evening, 9.30, way past my bedtime. We're going to be talking <laughs> about Asians in the movies um, and really the uh, impact it had on our lives and I think what we think the greater um, culture that we belong to, of course. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, last episode again, we talked about, hey, is 2012 is feeling like a lot like 2018. And the reason for that, again, is is that back in 2012, we thought there was a lot of hope, that there was a real buzz in the air, that I think... Um, everything that was going on that as far as the lack of representation that we saw, even though it was just on the, the NBA court or the screen, that Asians were going to make waves and, and be all over the media, not just in, on the basketball court again, in movies, in, in music, TV, um, all forms of uh, society that people you know use to consume entertainment pretty much. Um, and so today uh, we have a lot of things to celebrate. You know, uh, As many of us already know, the huge success that is Crazy Rich Asians, that came out in 2018. Um, and really kind of show the world that a movie with a primarily Asian ensemble cast does sell. Right, Joe? Yeah, I mean, totally. I think the best part about that is the fact that, you know, the money talked, and then it told, you know, the producers, you know, Hollywood, that Asians sell. And that's a good thing. And I think just like how they gave Jeremy Lin a chance back in 2012, they gave a bunch of Asians a chance in 2018, and it paid out, paid out big. And so I think that's something to, you know, definitely celebrate. And I think that um, this pod is the beginning of a three-part media series that we're going to be doing and diving into. Uh, so like Vinny said, you know, this one's going to be about movies. The next two are going to be about, you know, like TV, media, and then music's going to be one for sure. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of every, everything in between, too, with entertainment really spanning a lot of platforms. Um we can give like little shout outs here and there, even like musicals. You know, we might talk about a little <laughs> bit of that uh, later on. I mentioned earlier that uh, Eliza is an Asian woman 
uh, in the musical Hamilton. So shout out to Eliza. I don't know the actress's name, but great job. I loved I loved Hamilton. I don't know. Roll from the top. I was I was popping like a, I had like a huge man crush on um, on Stephen Young. I kept after I saw the I don't know if you know about the movie, dude. It's called Burning. Um, no. But uh, I had pretty much had like a huge like. You know, I was gonna say boner, but I was gonna say man crush, man crush, man crush for uh, for him after that movie because I was like, dude, like his clothes are great, like look at him, his hair is looking amazing in that movie, like I want to be just like him, like. And Shannon's like, are you sure? Like you keep talking about this guy. I mean, I know you like the movie a lot, but like you seem to really be into him, like more than more than normal. I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that. Like, yeah, what's normal anyways? It's 2019. Yeah, I mean, we talk about what's established as normal. I guess it's like what you see in, on the TV screen or like in movies, uh, in the media, probably. I guess what, that's what people would decide what's normal in society and what's not, right? Yeah, I mean, talk about like all the stuff that is considered not normal in movies, a.k.a. being an Asian-American citizen of the United States. I think oh, yeah, that's we, not considered normal. <laughs> uh, doing, doing anything besides like being like the cashier or like, you know, the uh, the mathematician or something like yeah, I mean, cast to the side. Not, you can't. You can't be the main. Can't be the main person, though. Yeah, I mean, like in every single movie or TV show that I watch, whenever they go down to like the IT room, like the server room, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, like we'll we'll get this guy to confirm whether or not that we're we've been hacked or not." And then like some dude sitting there with his back facing this camera, and then they come up yeah. and like present the evidence to them. And the guy turns around. It's a fucking Asian guy. I'm like, God damn it! Like every <laughs> fucking time. Like, how are you gonna put an Asian guy there? Or dude, it's like the scientists, especially in The Martian, right? Like, oh, this guy's the head of engineering, and yeah, he's like a chubby, chubby Asian guy. Like, he, can't, he can't even be a little bit handsome. It's, I don't know the actor's name. I'm sorry if I'm offending him, but it's just some just like really like below average looking guy, a little bit overweight, you know. Yeah. But he's intelligent, you know, which which most people would love. But I mean, physically, he was not. Yeah, the yeah. Most I mean, I, I feel person. like people are always like, oh, well, like, aren't those grid stereotypes to have? I'm like, yeah, sure, it's fine, like. I don't mind that our main stereotypes that we're like super smart people, but it's also an issue when you're not super smart, aka yeah. me. And then like people will be like, "Oh, like Joe, like you know this, right? You're good at math." I'm like, "Fuck you, dude! I draw. I like quit engineering because I precisely wasn't good at math, and that's why I went to IT. Like, don't come at me with these stereotypes, you know?" Right. I think it puts these lofty expectations on you um, or like what people have, have this. Everyone has a first impression of somebody before they even meet them. Right. Whether or not they help, they can help themselves or not. And yeah, you think, hey, this guy's gonna, them thinking I'm smart. Well, I can probably fake it for a while, but <laughs> it, it probably almost prevents me from being completely honest with myself as I'm like, whether I'm growing up or just kind of like just being a teen or like a kid, you know? Yeah. It affects me in a lot of ways that I can't even control. Right. right? And then, like, it's pretty funny because, like, uh, in my unit in the National Guard, my soldiers always ask me, sir, I bet I can guess what your major in college was. And I'm like, oh, yeah? Yeah, take a guess. I'll give you three. If you get it, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And they're always like, okay, okay. And they get really excited. And they'd be like, um, engineering. And I'm like, no. Math. No. Science. I'm like, no. None of those. Because, like, all you guys are basing all of your expectations of me off of is, like, off these stereotypes that you have that you're getting from these movies where every single time, you know, that dude in the chair turns around, it's a fucking Asian guy, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, I don't have a problem with being mistaken for a medical doctor, which I have been before, by the way. It's a funny story for later, but, like... Oh, Dr. Cho. Well, no, actually, right, I'll tell it now. But this... I saw I was at the gym, you know, just working on my fitness, but, uh... But um, <laughs> Gwen Stefani. Anyways, um, tell me more. Yeah. So I was at the gym, and this lady comes up to me. She's like, "Oh, are you like a doctor? I forget. His, I forget what name she called me. She's like, I was like, oh no. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, but you look a lot like the physical therapist that I worked with like a year ago. I mean, like, and I was like, oh, that's cool. And she was like, yeah, great guy. And I was like, well, yeah, I'd hope so. I, apparently, I look like him, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just it's just like weird because like you do get mistaken for other people, and it's uh. I don't know. Not like the greatest well, this, thing, not the worst thing. I don't know. Well, those interactions always have that little tinge of like racism. You know, the person's probably completely friendly or like nice. Yeah. But when they mistake you for like that other Asian person that looks nothing like you, by the way, <laughs> uh, it just makes you question like a little bit more about them. It's like, oh, okay. You know, like 
you, now that you can't recognize people or you you think we all look alike you know it's like yeah. either extreme <laughs> <laughs> well the only other time i got mistaken for another guy is this cop pulls me over and then like he's writing me up for a ticket and then he like pauses and looks at me and he goes do i know you and i'm like fuck i really hope he does like i hope he knows me from somewhere and then so i'm like listing off like places that i could have met this guy from I'm like did you go to penn state did you uh are you are you in the army are you uh and then he's like rattling these things off he's like no 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 i'm like well guess i don't know you i guess i'm still getting this ticket too huh <laughs> you know yeah that that's the part that where you're supposed to drop like oh i know i know this police com- like the police commissioner you know yeah. like, while, while while he's going back to check his computer dude you need to start looking up some names of people in the yeah. area just drop some name dropping like officer such and such that that, yeah. that should work I think my dad actually pulled my dad actually my dad pulled that once to get out no of the speeding ticket, by the way. He uh he knew like the um commissioner of Philadelphia at the time, like the police commissioner. So he's like flashes his card, you know. This this is kinda of kind of stuff people do in like their their like mob movies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so for like one second I was like, Am I is my dad in the mafia? <laughs> but <laughs> the Asian mafia. But uh no, um he just like flashed the card and the cops was like, uh, you know, I, I think I saw it where when it worked and when it didn't. In this case, it did. The guy's like, "Okay, cool. You go, go. Feel free. Take your family home. You know." Yeah. Because uh, we're all in the back, just like <laughs> wide-eyed. <laughs> like, what's gonna happen? <laughs> but dad, you know, he pulled it off. He pulled it off. But then that that didn't always work either. It didn't always work. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> no, for sure, man. For sure. But uh. So yeah, I mean, tell me about um. What was the first like uh, time you started watching like movies when you were? younger or like what'd you like to watch oh i don't know if it was uh if i don't know if i was watching what i like to watch it was more what my buddy Vinny pushed onto me and it made me watch <laughs> <laughs> i'm like hey like i'm gonna go hang out at Vinny's place and there you are going like hey man i'm gonna bust open my brother's book of pirated dvds you me we're asian this is uh <laughs> obligated watching do you like if, if for, for us to consider ourselves uh you know culturally act you know whatever prideful or whatever you know for us to even respect ourselves you need to watch this movie yeah man uh let's just watch like a psychologically scarring movie at 12 (laughs) years old and you're there like hey man we gotta watch this movie it's called better luck tomorrow i'm like what is this a real movie and it's like an mtv like straight to dvd film (laughs) yeah yeah i was like if this couldn't make it to the big screen why are we watching it you know and then I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> oh, man. Like, that movie still stays with me to this day. Oh, no. Dude, same for me, man. Like, I, I, I was, like, just enveloped by it. Like, that was my life. Um, what, middle school, you said? Like, probably 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. However old we were at that time. I remember my, like, AIM uh, status was, like, a quote from the movie. Which was, like, a really dark one at the time. It wasn't, like, I don't know if I was, like, moody. I don't think I was even particularly moody at the time. I didn't really have many friends, but <laughs> it was, like, the quote was, everybody needs a wake-up call, you know? And that's, like, one of the lines that um, John Cho's character says very ominously, I guess, to the, like, main protagonist of the movie, you know? And he's, like, this kind of, like, stuck-up, super-rich, you know, guy that drives, like, a motorcycle, you know? And, like, he steals his girl, <laughs> In so few words, like steals his girl and kind of builds up this resentment for the uh, the main protagonist, and the movie goes down and spirals down to this like kind of dark hole. Which I don't know if we want to spoil the whole thing or just talk about it. Um, but for me, I I think like looking back at that movie now, really being like the first time I saw Asian actors or Asian Americans themselves just playing everyday roles. You know, it wasn't yeah. like they're type typecast like you said before as like that that nerdy you know, Asian guy or the guy that barely even says a couple lines in the movie. Like these guys were just on the screen and it was normal. And like, it wasn't like they were telling any particular story. It was just like anybody can relate to this. You know, you have the pressures of getting into school, studying hard, and maybe like the lofty expectations that are put on you by your parents or like the rest of the society. So like, what do you do? And like how that can spiral out of control. Yeah. That's what I got out of it now. Back then I was just like, Asians, <laughs> movies. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. I just, I just Googled it. 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know, it's Roger Ebert actually, like, loved that movie. He, you know, rest in peace. Yeah, he, he rated it 4 out of 4. Can't come out the pod, but no, he, th- there was actually a known event where I think it was at a film festival when it came off. And what well, we talked about how, like, 
the movie kind of had a way of representing Asians in a different light. There's like somebody in the audience, I'm assuming white, I don't want I can't remember the exact story, but they come out and said, how can you represent your people that way? And I think there's the tirade might be recorded. We can probably like put a clip on here after, you know, post post to editing yeah. or whatever it is about how it went down. But Ebert pretty much stood up against that person saying like, no, you're wrong. Like, who are you to say that to these guys? You know what yeah. I mean? Um, but he loved that movie. Got a good grading from him, which I think ultimately um, made me not, not just like, obviously he was a great critic in his own right, but I, I had a lot of respect for him for that. All right, the, uh, the clip that you're about to hear um, is an audio clip from the Sundance Film Festival when Better Luck Tomorrow premiered. Apologize in advance to give you a hard time hearing the first clip of the segment. It's from the person giving the criticism. After the 30-second mark or so, you'll hear Roger Ebert come through with his response. So at the third screening at the library, this guy gets up. He praises us about the filmmaking and the performances, and then... Why? I think a lot of times in films, there, there's not enough discourse, you know? And I think this was made for that, and, and it, it felt good to actually get that in return. This guy feels like he has the right to tell us how we are supposed to exist in media. And then Roger Ebert gets up. Find very offensive and condescending about your statement is nobody would say to a bunch of white filmmakers, How could you do this to your people? This film has the right to be about these people, and Asian American characters have the right to be whoever the hell they want to be. They do not have to represent their people. It's a historic. Interesting, dude. Just looking at the stats, yeah. like budget was two hundred fifty grand, box office three point eight million. I think um, I know some a lot of really random facts. It's not, who's the name of the guy that has the crazy pants? Uh, Hammer MC Hammer. Yeah, I think actually put up fronted a lot of money to uh, Justin Lin, the director at the time, for him to make the movie because they knew it was going to be a net loss. Like no one, they knew no one was going to go out and go see it. That's why it was like straight to DVD and stuff. But for it to be made, it was more of just like a labor of like love. And like to have everyone kind of involved in the movie, they weren't expecting to get paid or get like superstardom from this. Like it wasn't like a launching pad, yeah. even though ultimately I think it might have been for like John Cho and Sung Kang. Maybe it's just starting his body of work in Sung Kang, yeah. who ultimately went on to Fast and Furious. Getting, fame. Ahead of my, getting ahead of myself. I mean, Justin Lin ultimately directed those Fast and Furious movies that people like love yeah. near and dear. Um, but prior to that, yeah, they were just making a movie, man, because they wanted to put this out. They thought it was important. And what is it? Two thousand one. Two thousand two. Um, two thousand two. I was close, but. Uh, yeah, that that's incredible to me, right? I mean, that, and we thought we were making progress back then, probably. Like, oh, wow, this is the beginning, maybe. I, and then nothing for 16 years. <laughs> but I didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand how money was worked back yeah. then either. So I, I think I was probably a little bit had some false hope at the same time, for sure. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that, like, before this movie, I mean, for you and I, this was our first exposure to, like, an all-Asian film, or even Asians in film, but, uh, you know, besides yeah. the random... You know, IT guy, doctor, cameo. Anyways, the talk about the Asian Ensemble cast, people go back and talk about Joy Luck Club. Um, but really, for Joe and I, I think growing up, that was like one of the movies that we, we think about a lot and really kind of um, hold in, in a high place uh, yeah. when it comes to my movie watching and for like, life. At the very top of that totem pole for me, for like ensemble, like Asian Ensemble cast, like I know it's not quite, but Harold and Kumar, oh my God. Harold and Kumar. Harold and Kumar, baby. Dude, just a couple of pothead guys. You can't even okay. call them Asian-American guys because they are not portraying an Asian-American guy as, you know, what would be understood through stereotypes. These guys are just like, like, I don't think I understood at the time when I watched the movie why I liked the movie so much. But looking back yeah. on it, I recognize that, like, this movie meant so much to me simply because it represented a break, a deviation from the relentless stereotyping that we, you know, are under. And so, like, Harold is, you know, he's trying to get, like, him and, he's, like, trying to get into, uh, no, he's, like, working a desk job. And then Kumar is trying to go into medical school. And, like, these guys are just, like, they're facing, like, the pressure of, you know, one, the racial pressure that they're, like, you know, experiencing. Kumar is getting pressure from his parents to go to medical school. And Harold's just getting shit on at work because they just think he's the quiet, studious, you know, Asian guy who they can just push around. And so they have these, like, really obnoxious dudes at their office, you know, who, like, push Harold around and, like, push all their shit work onto him and mm -hmm. then try to make him do it. 
And like at first he's meek and he accepts it, but then later on throughout the movie, like both of them, it's like there's like some character development, and then they talk like, about character development. Yeah. yeah, and then they like you know, and then Harold, just like in Wong Fu, recognizes that he needs a little bit more confidence, confidence. <laughs> right? <laughs> he just needs some confidence, and so he like breaks out of that. And at the end of the movie, he like sees them at White Castle. Shout out to White Castle. Shout uh, out to sponsor the pod. Please sponsor the pod. Anyways, um, yeah, they're at White Castle, and then he sees those two dudes who are treating him like shit, flaking off on their work. And guess what he does? He tells him off. He goes mm-hmm. off on him in what's like a pretty legendary, in my opinion, legendary speech. Yeah. But right up there with like uh, some of the great best speeches of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got like, uh, you, got, you got, you know, Russell Crowe in Gladiator. In, yeah, giving Maximus. A speech in the middle. <laughs> and then there's like Harold in White Castle yeah. going off mm-hmm. on these two dudes. It's just, up Just there. under it. Right, the, yeah. right, right, right behind it. Dude. Close yeah. second. But it's there. It's there. And what a and, great movie. Yeah, and in between, you know, they just smoke a lot of pot. Uh, they probably the first time I saw boobs on screen. To be honest with you too. <laughs> well, no, if you watch Better Luck Tomorrow first, then you would have seen the boobs there. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of mixed up the, when I saw which movie first, but I yeah. think I'm pretty sure it was Better Luck Tomorrow. You thought yeah. I forgot, didn't you? But I was no, traumatized, Vinny. Traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming of age story, man. You know, they, they, they in that movie they, they showed them losing their virginity and it happened to be to a prostitute. So spoiler alert. Oops. Um, anyways, <laughs> Helen Kumar, uh, one of the, just like kind of take, take a quick, quick deviation. I think one of the, the funnier scenes of that movie was, um, and there's many, obviously, uh, they're traveling through like a, like a shady part of New Jersey, I think on their way to go to, <laughs> on their way to go to, um, the Cherry Hill, I think White Castle, which, uh, I've been, I've, I've done this, this journey, pilgrimage. I've, I've pilgrimage. This journey, <laughs> this pilgrimage. Yeah, this pilgrimage ourselves, but I don't want to look at TV, but the, the, basically they, like they see the, like the, the lame versions of themselves <laughs> walking around and then get the, the crap beaten out of them by, <laughs> by some dudes. So I've always held this close to my heart that like between Joe and I, no matter what happens to us, that we try to avoid as best as possible. To be the lame version of ourselves, you know what I mean? Yeah, you might see them walking about, but we're the cool ones. Yeah, and... every single day, people are always like, "I want to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday," and like that's me and Vinny, but we're more desperate about it because we just don't want to get the crap beat out of us for being the lame versions of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I think you see those guys later on in the movie; they have like a neck brace on. Like, they're... <laughs> like oh they're... shit, they could have been us. Yeah, they could. Yeah. Anyways, um. Yeah, then, then those movies, like, uh, while funny at the time, you, they, you definitely gain a greater appreciation of them, too, after the fact, when you thought, saw what they're really up against um, and how a movie like that really got made and became successful. They obviously went on to make Two like, more. Guantanamo Bay after that, and then did they go to, was it the Christmas special? or like yeah. I don't know if Amsterdam was one of them. I can't remember the name of them, but I'm pretty sure there was, like, at least three or four. Yeah. I watched them all, but the first one definitely was definitely the best. Mm-hmm. What's coming up next is uh, the speech that we were talking about, you know, that ranks right under, you know, the gladiator speeches in the pantheon of great movie, you know, moments. Uh, This one's from pretty much the end of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Plus, how cool was that saving that dude's life last night, man? I think it was somewhere between that, getting yelled at by my dad and seeing Neil Patrick Harris that I realized that I've always wanted to be a doctor. I've just been too scared to admit it to myself. Hey, Billy, you plan for this? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. That's good, because if he wasn't, you would. Yo, are you listening to me, Roldy? I'm having a major epiphany here. I'll be right back. You're unlike any other woman I've ever met in my life. What the fuck is going on here? Harold? What happened to you, man? What, what are you, what are you Never doing? Never mind me. What the fuck are you doing here? Well, I thought you and JD were busy all night with clients. Isn't that why I had to do your work? Hey, Henry, what the hell's going back on off, here? Back off, what I said to him goes double for you. Cockboy? You just call me cockboy? Yeah, you know I did. You're just stalling because you're not quick enough to think of a comeback. You think I'm not quick enough? Guy thinks I'm not quick enough. Well, I got news for you. I am quick enough. Cockboy! Hmm. Listen, Harold, I'm really sorry. Don't soft. bother with him. We'll take it up with Berenson tomorrow. What are you going to tell Berenson? That I'm your workhorse? That you guys think you can party all weekend? Leave the work to the quiet Asian guy in the office. No, 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 you don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm not doing your work for you anymore. And if either one of you douchebags ever tries to pull this shit again, I'll go to Berenson myself. I'll tell him what's really going on. And I'll tell the whole office how you both caught gonorrhea from that prostitute in Atlantic City. 
If you'll excuse me, boys, I gotta get going. Come on. See you boys at the office on Monday. Excuse me. <laughs> That was awesome. Where the hell did that come from? I don't know. Eating those delicious burgers made me feel like a new man. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually looking forward to going to work this week. No shit. You know, it might be worthwhile after all. I'm not worthless. Hey, um, so those dudes really have gonorrhea? Beats me. Hey. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that, like, before this movie... I mean, for you and I, this was our first exposure to, like, an all-Asian film, or even Asians in film, but uh, you know, besides yeah. the random, you know, IT guy, doctor, cameo. But, I mean, you sent me the link where it was, like, this, you know, history of Asian-Americans in film, and then it goes all the way back to silent film, which is insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know Asian people were doing anything back then. Like, it's just weird to me, like, and I, I it never even crossed my mind that, like, we would have been active in film. And so I thought that was pretty interesting because, like, all I could ever think of, you know, after watching, you know, Better Luck Tomorrow and then Harold and Kumar essentially were, like, my first and only exposures to, like, Asian-American actors in movies was, like, yeah. there were a ton of us before this. And oh, yeah. I was, I mean, you know, I was shocked. I think people really like to harken back to the Joy Luck Club, I think, as, like, the real first Hollywood, um, on, like, Asian, like, primarily Asian ensemble cast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Like that, that movie existed. I don't have the exact date for that one, but that even predated Better Luck Tomorrow. I think uh, probably sometime in the '90s. I want to say we can probably go backwards and, and double check that date. But yeah, there were Asian, Asian, let's say Asian American, really uniquely too, creators uh, out there just putting out work. And whether or not you think it was not due to necessarily like a lack of success or for maybe other reasons, um, we never really. I didn't learn that about that till today. Like, I don't know why that was either. You know what I mean? We weren't talking about mm-hmm. it as much as we kind of like revel in old Hollywood. Um, those stories aren't really even brought up. Yeah, no. I, I think we're, we're, we're I think we're literally in like a very unique time now because like now it's not to say that people never cared. It's just that now that when we have a chance to say this is what we want to see and this is what we want the change to be, like I want to see more diversity in movies we're, we're getting that, right? Yeah. And so that's like, I think we'll discuss this later, but in terms of the intersection of film and society or culture, in terms of, you know, who's impacting who, is the film or like films impacting, you know, the way culture thinks or is the culture pushing or is the culture changing the way that the films are being produced? And I'd like to mm-hmm. see what you're talking about in terms of like, you know, the general public coming out and being like, yes, this too is a good product. This too can provide us entertainment and at the end of the day, make you guys money. And as in you Which guys, like, the producers, right. And meaning like whoever holds those purse strings understands that the, the bottom line is so important to them. And for reasons why you can, you couldn't sell like an Asian American or just Asian lead for that matter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, that, that there's a, because they weren't, they weren't going to make money, mm-hmm. which you can even go back as far as, and I, I'm definitely going to, my dates are all off today, man. Let me mm-hmm. t- I wish I had like a timeline in front of me, but like Bruce <laughs> Lee, was probably the reason the reason why I like idolized him so much when I was like growing up as a kid like pri- even before you mentioned Harold and Kumar and Better Luck Tomorrow being like really great Asian American stories and Bruce Lee himself we talked about his past on the last pod about like you know whether or not we consider him more Asian or Asian or you know uh, Chinese right really um, but him coming onto the scene maybe starting out as like the Green Hornet sidekick and then really going back to Hong Kong being the main guy and then making movies. Uh, that appeal to Americans like uh, Enter the Dragon, where he's the main guy. Yeah. Like he gets the girl, he kick he kicks butt, you know, kills the villain and stuff. And then he's like the first real action hero that we can probably think of that's like solely Asian, and he's making waves. Oh yeah. But then he, his career gets cut off short, and we really don't know what would have happened if he kept making movies or he was at least a presence in Hollywood for any period of time. Like not there was a huge gap left after he after he died. Where guys like came in like Jackie Chan, Jet Li, um, came in and tried to fill that void, but they were never quite. I don't think, in my mind, I don't think they quite measured up. I think while they're entertaining to a different degree, they couldn't really uh, a, make the same wave that he did. Yeah, it's a different kind of charisma that Bruce Lee had versus the other guys. Like yeah, he could really control the, the screen. I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Jackie Chan brought. I mean, I think because of the fact that he broke in through comedy, he was essentially typecast into that kind of role, and then he could never really break, you know, break out of that mold. 
And then Jet Li was always seen as just a Bruce Lee wannabe. Like, he never took off just because everyone always just thought of him as a, a budget action star, you know, versus... And, like, I, I haven't watched enough of his movies to say that his performances weren't deserving or were deserving of more. But just remember, I remember, like, you know, my impression of him was that it was just... It never really took off as much as it could have. Yeah, I mean, I think um, t- piggybacking on your th- idea of like how Asians were portrayed, portrayed before and what people had the idea of maybe what you did for your own career or your college major, um, people's like, general exposure out, you know, they're the doctor, they're the scientist, the guy in the lab, um, doesn't talk a lot. That didn't really change when we talked about how people think all Asians know Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. you, know, you can probably say that that's like a stereotype, oh, totally. right? But that's like the probably number one impression that people get. If you have any kind of affiliation or if you're Asian, they'll do like the hey like stuff like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude. To it at, at you or whatever. But that's because of, God, I mean, that's what people saw on the big screen. They saw the Jackie Chan. Yeah. They saw him in uh, one of my beloved movies is Rush Hour. We can probably get into that a little bit separately. But, you know, Jet Li in the one, um, Romeo Must Die. Uh, movies like that, I think. And you, while their skills are really impressive, like they're not their speaking roles are probably minimalized yeah. or just due to their own really limitations of speak. Like, I don't know if they just weren't comfortable and they just didn't want it or because of the directors themselves and the producers were saying, we don't want this guy to talk too much or really um, have as many lines as so-and-so. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember in like, the lead. Jackie Chan movies, like in like Rush Hour, like that was a point where it was a comedic break when he would be able to talk, you know, when he would say stuff and like they used his accent and like his, I mean, portrayed or I guess implied lack of grasp of the English language as like a humor, a humor, like a humorous point, you know, and made yeah. it funny. But I think it played into his role. Yeah, right? He did. wasn't coming it was into it as like, I'm an American. No, he was the Chinese yeah. detective coming to America, like in that kind of typecasting itself, the whole kind of wacky cop, buddy cop duo. Like they were playing on that for sure yeah. from previous movies. It wasn't like they're the first ones to do it. But I think since that time, if I can just give them any kind of respect at all, I don't think anyone's been able to replicate that kind of like charisma and and duo oh, yeah. between like jackie chan and, and chris tucker but i think i'm kind of getting beside the point really um because i think we just talk about the fact that like yeah, chris tucker really dominated the, the majority of that film as far as speaking roles go and, and, and jackie while was impressive for doing his own stunts and, and i think he was really kind of charming in his own way mm-hmm. um people don't look at him as being like as like the alpha in that case yeah. and, heck i don't even think even in the, in the was it the i think it was the second movie where they had a really like um a fine uh hispanic woman <laughs> that was like the undercover like she was a cop uh-huh. like, or like she was an agent but they didn't know that and like I think there was like really kind of romantic interest going on between him Jackie and, and him and while Chris wanted to be the one that got with the girl like they, they could think they could barely get away with Jackie like giving her like a kiss at the end like ultimately he does get the girl but like in any other movies it would be gratuitous yeah like they're gonna like take him back to the room and all these things would be implied <laughs> and, and, but you didn't see that on screen yeah. like they just made like a, maybe like a harmless kiss at the end mm-hmm. that was all we got um, and we can kind of talk about maybe uh, beyond just maybe our impressions of what Asians were doing, but also seeing Asians or sexual, like the sexualization pretty much mm-hmm. of either be Asian men, women, or hypersexualization in the other side of it being like a negative yeah. association. I mean, who's to say I didn't want to see Jackie Chan, you know, tearing off his shirt, just revealing like a glistening eight pack. And then, you know, <laughs> taking this chick to town. Yeah, which he probably had, right? But we, I, don't, I don't think we ever saw him shirtless in that movie, man. I don't think we did. I'm like... I'm like half tempted to Google Jackie Chan shirtless, and I'm thinking going to do that right but now. But you know, and you know the, the iconic image that you have in your head when you think of Bruce, oh. three claws and on his yep. face, shirt off with the black pants, eight pack, you know, just straight up jacked, man. That guy was, ugh. dude. Jackie Chan looks good, bro. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. The guy was com- extraordinary. Dude, I'm showing it to Vinny right now through Skype. I don't know how well you can see it, but. I can see it crystal clear, man. It's blinding me. Actually, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. And you know what? I don't. I don't. I think that probably would have gone a long way, you know, to helping you know young Joe go out into the world and be like, "Hey, what's up, ladies?" You know, <laughs> like Jackie Chan did it. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. I don't. I don't know if everyone wants to really admit. Um, how much influence, I guess, movies and maybe just representation influences our everyday lives. And no, we're not even necessarily blaming it or giving it any more responsibility that it's due. Mm-hmm. But like these images, 
while maybe seemingly harmless, I think they do play a big part um, in shaping the lives of maybe a greater people, like a, a larger group, you know, going, going beyond just an individual basis for sure. Yeah, I think to try and like organize our thoughts a little bit in terms of, you know, like what we were looking at, you know, from like a big picture perspective is that there are primary, you know, issues, you know, that movies have in terms of yeah. inaccurate portrayals of individuals, right? And then beyond the inaccurate portrayals of, you know, the Asians in America, there's a secondary effect on that in terms of the implication, right? And so like, I think one of the things that you see is if they have an Asian American actor, you know, who's not a bit part, right? If they're like a bad guy or something like that. And oftentimes you'll see a lot of Asians cast into villain roles, which is totally fine by me. I think there's a lot of good compelling villains, but I think most of the time when you see an Asian person in film, they're usually cast as a foreigner, right? And then, so if you break that down, that secondary effect, you know, to your regular everyday viewer, that implies to them that, okay, if I'm only seeing Asians in films and the only time I see them in films, they're foreigners, all Asians must be foreigners, right? And that's when you get situations in which, you know, you and I could be walking down the street and someone could be looking at us and thinking to themselves, ah, it's another foreigner, you know, in our land, in our country. Oh, I think definitely, man. I think I, I think about this a lot is as much as I want to embrace the fact that like, hey, I'm no different than the guy that that's, that's whether or not our skin color is different. And he believes that, I guess, he's more American due to that reason, right. right? That he's white and I'm not. And I'm not implying that about everybody. I'm just saying that scenario might have happened or played played up. But um, ultimately, I'm different because of how I... They're equating my, my experience of growing up as being different and I'm not the same as them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm, I can't be possibly as American as they are um, for that reason in itself, right? Yeah, and I think for me, like one of the most, you know, formative experiences I've ever had in my life was... When I was at college and I'm like walking down the street and then I'm at a crosswalk and I'm crossing, you know, when it says I can cross. And then there's a lady trying to take a left turn at an intersection and like I'm impeding her way because it's my right to walk. And then she rolls down her window and she yells at me here in America. That means stop. You know, and I thought to myself for that moment, like, and I mean, actually, you know, I had no thoughts going through my head at all because I was furious. Mm-hmm. I was enraged. Yeah. Like I was seeing red. I was so angry just because. Someone thought that because of my skin color, they had the right to tell me how things are done in what was apparently not my own home country, despite the fact that, yes, I've been born in the United States and my family's been here for like, you know, 30 years now. And just all these things, all these factors that they don't know because all they look at is the surface. And then so I was thinking to myself, okay, this is rural Pennsylvania. You know, she probably doesn't meet many Asian people. And so where would she have gotten that impression that I'm not American, right? And it's just like, it's just like the, the impression that they get off, you know, whether it's consumed through media or just like their own ignorance is the assumption that anyone that doesn't look like them is not American. Yeah, totally true. Yeah. And not, I don't want me to interrupt, but I think kind of just building off what I was saying before, I think I kind of maybe lost track a little bit was that as much as we want to see ourselves as American, that we have to think about how the world sees us. And it's exactly how you pointed it out, right? Is that we're we're not like they might assume that we don't speak English first. Yep. Which I think, due to the nature of like maybe recency bias, even of like considering of when generations like we're talking we're talking about ourselves as second generations American. Like we're not like we talked about before, we're not too far off from our parents immigrating to the states, even if it was thirty or forty years ago. Yep. Whereas a lot of those people are like far removed from whatever culture or ethnicity they are a part of. That they can not to say that they're mutts, but they identify with so many other different cultures where we're like we're so close to maybe just one. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but again, yeah, we, th- we as much as we want to embrace that, the world will see us one way and we need to anticipate that reaction. And maybe we find ourselves making excuses for them too. Like, not to say that's all wrong, but I think it helps us get by right. in a lot of ways. And like, it's just funny because, you know, I'll bring this up to people and I'll think they'll ask, you know, what, what are the solutions, right? How, how can you get, how can we fix something like this from happening ever again? And the answer is not just as simple as like, oh, well, you know, just kind of just exist, survive, make it your way through life and just ignore it. Right. I feel like that's been the Asian answer for so long. And I feel like whenever I bring these issues up to my other Asian American friends, they'll always tell me, ah, you know what? Just just ignore them. They don't know any better. Right. And I don't think that's entirely the wrong answer. Right. 
the, the right answer is, well, we have to make a change, right? If we're not being seen as welcome or residents of our own home country, the land that we're born in and entitled to, like Vinny, you mm-hmm. and I could run for presidency, you know, because we yeah. are entitled to, you know, X amount of rights as American citizens. And so why can we not be treated the same? And so, like, the answer is not to just be like, to put your heads down, work hard, make more money than them and ignore your problems, right? No, the answer is to, like, speak up, to have a voice, right? And that was also one of the big reasons that we, you and I created this pod is to try and be that voice. Right. Talk about the everyday, I guess I wouldn't say they're all problems, but maybe the issues that we think a lot of other people can relate to or experience at some point in their lives, couldn't put words to it, didn't really have anybody else to talk to, um, but realize that this does happen to more than, this isn't just for you, you know? Um, and I guess, I, I guess we talk about again, how the representation really can go a long way. Um, whether or not we, we I'd give it credit for it, for it or not, or even like acknowledge it. But like you, you talked about before, like for the longest time, I like to think that people just want to say that you are in control of your own destiny don't blame anything else or any other large impacting societal problems that have impacted your success or lack of success. You work hard and you'll get what's yours, which could be true for a lot of other people, but ultimately is a barrier for most, mm-hmm. um, especially, I think, for um, minority groups yeah. in particular. Uh, and that's that's where, that's where we're, we're lumped into that category, whether or not uh, we want to be or not. At the rate currently right now, as the last sentence was done, the Asians make up for about what five percent, and how, how many millions was that, Joe? Like Seventeen million remember. or something. Yeah, seventeen million um, in the U.S. So I think even while we're in the, our own little pockets, and I'm talking about maybe even other Asian people that that see these things as not as problems, is because I think in the groups that they hang out with, they might kind of shade themselves from it because they don't see it there. They don't really go outside right. their own comfort zones to to meet. Not to say they don't meet other people, but like you can be in America, and you, this this is kind of surprising too. I might be getting off topic. But like you could be Chinese recently immigrated to America and never really have to learn uh, English because yeah. you're you're st- you're sticking in your own your own people, right? You go into the, the circles are very allow you to do that. I think you, you probably talked about this before. Maybe it's a little closer home for you. I know it is for me and my family because I have uncles and aunts that have been living here now for closer to like almost ten years now. But they they don't they're not fluent in English, but they can they can get by. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, right where you're talking about is my cousin. I mean, he lives in L.A. and you know, he used to speak pretty decent English back when we were in like middle school, elementary or elementary middle school. But then when he moved to L.A., he doesn't need to speak English because like, there are so many Korean people there and that, you know, he did, he never needed to. And so his English actually got worse over time. And it was pretty crazy. But I always found that interesting. And like, you know, to go off of what you were talking about in terms of like statistically, you know, the, the, the number of Asians and how much we represent the population, like for someone to look at an Asian person and to assume that they're not from America or that they're not an American citizen or a U.S. resident is illogical because, you know, there's the whole U.S. population is 328 million. And in 2017, there were 4.8 million um, non-U.S. like visitors, tourists, and just foreigners studying in the U.S. And so that's 1.4% of the population at any given time is like, is, you know, non-U.S. citizen. And so that means when you should, when you look, when you walk down the street and you see people, logically you should assume, yes, U.S. citizen, yes, from here, yes, American. Mm-hmm. But because, you know, there's some sort of, you know, bias that's really just ingrained in people's heads and the way that they think, it's just that you will assume that this person's not an American. And that's not to say I'm immune from this either because I would do the exact same thing because that's how deeply ingrained these things are in that even within Asian people, we'll look at them and you'll probably assume at some point, like, Oh, this guy's not from America. Just the way yeah. that they're and probably I, thinking the same thing about me. Right. And that, I think that stems itself from stereotypes and, you know, whatever preconceived ideas that people might get from media, mm-hmm. right? Like where else do you get that? How else do you understand something? And especially when you don't understand something, I think when you lean towards ignorance more often than not, yeah, it's because you don't know any better, right? Like how could you? Mm-hmm. And so um, like, I mean, I, I'm totally on there with you. And so, you know, we like, if we, you know, now that we're listing out this problem that we see or this issue, the question isn't like, Oh, what's a solution. Right. And we're not, I'm not advocating for affirmative action in terms of like having, you know, X percent of Asian actors. I'm just saying that, you know, to producers or to 
to anyone who's like in the positions of power, they just need to give a guy a chance. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Let me. I, I just want to start to interrupt. I'll say baby steps too. I mean, I think we've seen from the last Academy Awards, people are going out of the way to say, and I think this is totally fair. Fifty percent women need to be cast. That's that's actually you know you can break it down to the basic sense. Fifty percent men, fifty percent women makes sense. But I'm just talking about how about maybe you don't want to put fifty percent Asians in movies, but how about you cast Asians where there are Asian people in the real story? You know what I mean? Yeah. We could talk about removing whitewashing. Let's just baby steps. Like let's not do that at least. Oh yeah. We can at least give Asians roles where they were actually due. So for those, yeah. sense. for those of you who don't know what whitewashing, whitewashing is, it's, you know, when you have an Asian role or story or a story yeah. and then you eliminate, you know, that Asian origin or that Asian role and replace it with, you know, like a white actor. And so, you know, one of the most egregious instances of that was in uh, 21. I think, I mean, you know more about it than I do, but I mean, the movie's about, you know, the MIT blackjack team. And the actual main character from that MIT Blackjack team, like in, in real life, was this Asian guy. But for the sake of the you know, movie. He, yeah, he ends up being a de- like they, they give him a shout out by making him like one of the dealers, like a car dealer in the movie. Instead of I, I don't know the actor's name. It's just some yeah, some white actor um, took it, took over his role instead, because at the time people just said that's what sells. Right? Yeah, it's a great story, but you can't tell it on your terms pretty much. Right. And so like. You know, like little things like that, and then I mean, uh, I can come up with more examples if you want, man. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of like Scarlett Johansson Ghost in Ghost in the, the Shell. Yep. I think the, her defense of it is that they think it's supposed to be like a ambiguous role. You know what I mean? Like you're not implying anything about that person's identity. They could be anything. But uh, this <laughs> but was out of anything, anime. You, know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> you had you had, you could have chosen anything, but you know you didn't. Right. And yeah. so that's the funny thing about that. It's just it's kind of backwards. You have uh, the Great Wall. Oh, um, my God. Which are located in China, correct? I'm not, I'm not wrong by saying that the Great Wall is located in China. Uh, you think if you're talking about going back in history and some of the wars that are fought, and even this, if there's some kind of sci-fi. I didn't see the movie, by the way. I should preface it by saying I didn't see this movie. But I thought it was just so egregious. The fact that it's like it's the Great Wall starring Matt Damon. And then the random guy from Narcos, which we talked about earlier. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, at what point does like, and then you have, you know, The Last Samurai, where it's just, you have, you know, these like white heroes just come in and just, oh, you got to save, you know, these helpless Japanese people. You got to save these helpless, you know, Asians who don't know how to take care of themselves. I don't know. Yeah. And it's just like, whenever I watch these movies, Literal white knight. But yeah, yeah. No, like quite literally. And it's like when I was... You know, when I was younger and you're watching that and like, you don't understand what you're consuming. You don't understand the stories that you're buying, the stories that you're believing, because over and over and over, you're consuming these movies and that's what becomes truth, right? And so like, if you think like we were talking about before, there's like a primary issue and there's a secondary effect, right? And that secondary effect these movies cause is that like, you have these Asian guys, you know, Asian American guys like you and me watching these movies, consuming this media. And then what we're being led to believe is that someone else is can is like you know going to come in and rescue the day or like that it's not an asian guy's role like we're not capable of doing that we're not capable of rescuing the damsel in distress you know and it's going to be some white guy is going to swoop in and steal a girl and save the save the day a lot of i'll be honest with you i think a lot of people might start like hear us talking about this right now joe and they think like we're whining right like oh these guys they, they can't they trying to have it all or whatever it is but I, I, we're getting even to like that fine line now why why we'll also want to acknowledge that this is no, nowhere near as egregious as appropriation as we talk about maybe like black culture but mm-hmm. like in and of itself when we talk about whitewashing that's kind of what this is right like these stories were uniquely asian or like rooted in that mm-hmm. and i think it was a big part of the story right like the cast be, whether or not the people that are involved were directly that you you can say that maybe the themes themselves are universal, but again, like if you're not you if you can't even have you're not entitled to the right of your own story, like exactly as it happened, and the only way for it to really truly sell is if you replace it with what people consider more profitable actors or like characters or a more palatable story. And in some so much in so many few words, yeah, you're just stealing a story. Like you're just kind of stealing. No, absolutely. Someone's original, like not even, I guess, idea, but like their ideas almost pretty much. Like that's what it is, right? You talk about appropriation. Yeah. Um, and then making money off of it. But right. Without really any kind of respect or acknowledge, acknowledgement of where it came from. I think that's really what you can really wipe yourself like 
like you're never gonna be scot-free but like you at least acknowledge where something came from right but that doesn't even happen and then so i mean you talk about like just one like appropriating a culture right and then there's not necessarily just that but then the absolute misrepresentation or bastardization of that right exactly so like Mm -hmm. when you turn when you're not just taking something right you're taking it and then you're twisting it and then you're making it into something almost unrecognizable but close enough to the truth that people will buy it Mm -hmm. and so when you do that then you're creating a complete misrepresentation of the people that you're trying to portray and so when you have you know say you take you know this japanese movie or this this film set in japan and then the rest of the united states you know people in america don't have exposure to japanese people this is what they believe japanese people will be and what they are and then yeah i mean beyond i mean whether or not they can recognize a japanese person from a korean person's another vietnamese guy completely different you know like some asian people can't even do that yeah. dude so i can't I mean, yeah. so can, like yeah so then like then you're not just miss like you know uh, representing just of one, you know, single country or race, you're essentially it's being pushed onto all of us, you know. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. there's like, you know, a secondary and then tertiary and then just so many layered effects to what you know you think that is just a simple movie. You think that's just a, a blockbuster and that's it and it ends there. It really doesn't. Yeah, I think it's more it's more than just a story being told to you. And I think despite the fact that I think maybe even as people, I'm getting to maybe a deeper idea of how we kind of just recycle the same stories over and over and over again and tell it just a little bit differently. That could be true of music, movies, anything. Uh-huh. Um, things go in cycles. We can all acknowledge that, too. But I, you think that at least today and it's 2018 and we finally are seeing a bit of a change that we're actually kind of getting all well, the same stories. It could be a romantic comedy. But you're finally seeing people that are, look like us telling that story you know what i mean it's finally coming to a point where it's acceptable um and it's not just like perpetuating the stereotypical idea of what people think about asian people like you said about maybe samurais or how they're kind of just uh the enemy really kind of seen in a lot of people's eyes even if they're like the villain uh-huh. um i i think about again we we talk about typecasting and, and, and stereotypes when people think about what an asian person looks like you can probably close their eyes and not have to visualize anything to say like and maybe I, I even maybe hesitate to even say this out loud, but like slanty eyes, right? Right. Uh, yellow skin, um, maybe a little bit of an overbite, heavy accent, right? They can't speak. If you're going to have a speaking role, it's going to have an accent because you, you can't be seen as like an everyday guy. Um, and you go back to the origin, maybe the first time you might see like people's exposures to Asians in film. You have guys like, uh, I think it was Mickey Rooney is yep. his full name mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It's the, probably the worst example of that. And then I think uh, pretty much he put on yellow face to be all those things, right? Yeah. To give everyone's most exaggerated, hyperbole, I, hyperbolic, I guess, idea of what an Asian person looks like as a landlord. This is like annoying. Yeah. Um, it's a person, joke. Right? Like these guys, like, you, like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like, I mean, obviously I wasn't alive then, but it's just preposterous. They're not up their arms about it either. Yeah. yeah. But it happened. No, nobody fought it. Nobody right. talked about it really and until then, now. Yeah. And then the culture Damage consumed it. And then what comes out of that? Then you get all sorts of people who think it's funny and then imitate Asian people by imitating him who wasn't imitating Asian people. He was, make, he was making a mockery. A caricature, right? Right. But no one, you, you, you dance that fine line. And I, I'm not going to call this satire because that's not what they were trying to do. They aren't, and their, their ideas are trying to be funny, but it's incredibly offensive. Yeah. Um, and then so I, mean, guys, I, think, I think there's something that like, you know, kind of what you were saying back in. The, you know, the first, the last episode where you were saying, you know, it feels like 2012 and 2018, right? And it's 2019 now, but it does feel Crap. like that <laughs> in that um, there's, you know, you, you give an Asian cast a chance, right? And you, you yep. give, you give Jeremy Lin a chance and he pays out for you big time, mm-hmm. you know? And then now they're giving, you know, that's why last year was so important to us because they gave that Asian cast that chance. And guess what? Crazy Rich Asians blew up. Searching blew up. These movies were considered very well, they were very well received. And talk, yeah. And the culture, like, yeah. the culture, it feels like it's this actually feels like a legitimate shift. I think we've had little blips of like uh, inspiration or like maybe that there's something a force of change might come through, like finally. But this one actually really feels real, you know. Um, and just to say, I, I wouldn't say we the, to give a little bit more positivity to everything that we've talked about so far, there, there's a lot of things that we can acknowledge. 
um, that, that have really been different. Like Sandra O, oh, like Sandra, Sandra O, oh, really being like the first like Asian American co-host for the Golden Globes. Uh, and she went out of her way to even win an award for um, what's it called? Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. I, haven't, I haven't watched the show, but I will go out of my way. Aquafina being like the first Asian woman, Asian American woman to host Saturday Night Live. Yep. Where I think, again, people were like, back in two, the year 2000 when Lucy Liu did it, they thought that was a big deal. Yeah. But we didn't have another Asian woman host until 2018. Until Aquafina. <laughs> yeah. in 20, you know, 2018. Now, I mean, we're 2019 now, but like, that's how long it took, right? And we had all these like little moments, but it, all these things cascaded. And we, I talk about you—you you mentioned those two things back to back with uh, Crazy Rich Asians and searching. Yep, it, it felt like a domino effect because for Crazy Rich Asians to be successful and people feel like to realize that people were going to buy those movies, those movies were allowed to be released. Now, whether or not it was made and maybe could have just like gone straight to DVD or something like that, they saw no, no, let's make sure that this actually goes into theaters so that you get the numbers. And actually, that's the story of Crazy Rich Asians. They could—I think—they would have gotten more money. If they would have went to Netflix straight away, but it's important that they, they, because you don't get streaming numbers from Netflix, you yeah. want to see how many people actually went to go see this movie, paid for it, so that you can have this kind of impact and this kind of story, the success story, really, right? Um, of how this could sell today. Yeah, and then you talk about how money talks. Money just spoke, you know. Yeah, and it loudly. told yeah, yeah. It told everybody like, hey, look, the people are entertained. Like we want this, right? And then so I think. Now like, we're like we're picking up speed. There's it feels like a real momentum, like you were saying. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I'll tell you what, like the movie like that, it, you know, even if they aren't gonna say like, oh, this is like the masterpiece. And if anything, it was definitely entertaining. But like audiences that was going to see it, they weren't thinking like I'm gonna go see this Asian movie. They're gonna say like this looks like an entertaining movie. It looks like a good movie. I'm gonna go see it. You can be white, black, brown, whatever. Like they, the people were were enjoyed it. Not just I mean, Asian Americans had a different feeling. I'd like to think like. You can go into it and it feels some other, like really get emotional just by the fact that like this is like feels like something really special. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is going in, they're just going to go see a rom com. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you're being you're telling any kind of spectacular stories. Like the idea of not being accepted by your in laws. You know who can't relate to that? Right. Right. I mean, it's just maybe told in a different setting. <laughs> I don't have a wife, but <laughs> well, <laughs> taking applications. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, no, won't like... be long, Joe. Huh? Okay. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so it's just, like, it's nice, right? It's nice to just have it be any other rom-com, right? It would be nice for it to be just any other story. It doesn't necessarily have to be, right, just, just like like you were saying, a grand Asian storytelling experience, you know? And I think at the end of the day, that's what we want as individuals, right? To be seen on the street as just any other guy, Right? And then for other people to look at you and then be like, oh, yeah, just another guy. It's just Vinny. It's just Joe. It's not necessarily, oh, this Asian dude. Who's this Asian guy? You know? In the most idealistic sense, dude. I mean, I think that's really what everyone really wants. Yeah. It's just to be judged by their own merit. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, like, on a slight little tangent, like, I used to live in Japan. So I went to high school in Japan for four years Mm -hmm. from 2007 to 11. And then one of the best things about Japan, you know, you could put aside like the ramen, the sushi, all the amazing cultural things. Yeah. But the best thing for me that I will never forget and will always crave is the feeling of anonymity, right? Like when you're there just out on the street, like the one defining characteristic I had was probably that I was tall. But besides that, I just look like every other guy, right? And so like, That's like the feeling I get when I'm in an Asian grocery store. <laughs> That's why I go there every day. But um... <laughs> <laughs> just, just keep going back. But, um, yeah. But, it's just but yeah, like, seriously, back to Japan. Okay, but yeah, no, like, I, it's the same thing. It's like, I just felt like I was any other guy. And it's ironic because I'm a complete foreigner and I didn't speak Japanese. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, it's weird that I had to go outside of my own borders to feel like I could be anonymous. And so like, I think that's the feeling that we crave is that we want just to be seen as anybody else. We want our movies just to be any other movie just another blockbuster hit you know like marvel's pushing these out like a dime a dozen you know like yeah, if it succeeds or fails it's, it's it fails because it was just bad no one's like oh that was because there was asians in it yep. no one wanted to go see the asian people and i don't want to take that away from the fact that i think i don't want to spoil the movie for a joke but i'll just say overarching themes um you know that, that it paints the idea that you kind of discuss yourself as like being an asian american never quite feeling like you're yourself in america but also being seen differently by other asians in asia 
So even if you go over there, you're not considered completely, even if you are like speak fluently and everything, you're never going to be like fully Chinese because you're like the American Chinese person. Yeah. You're in America, you're the Chinese person. Like, so what are you? Like, you're stuck in some kind of purgatory. Yeah. We're, we're in this nebulous, like neutral zone where yeah. they don't know how to approach you. Like, so it was weird because at college, like you'd have like the, uh, you know, the, the fobs, right? Fresh off the boat. Yeah. You got like okay, the yep. uh, first generation, like Asians going to school there, you know? And then you yeah. got like the Twinkies, the second generation people. It's Twinkies. The ones that join the frats and yeah. the sororities. But, you know, <laughs> no, but like Twinkies are like people who, like a Twinkie, yellow on the outside, white on the inside. So it's just it, it's like slightly derogatory. I don't I don't know if there's any classification around fobs or Twinkies, but it's just kind of what we call ourselves. I don't know if it's got enough exposure outside of Asians to like be classified as racist or not. But... I think if we tell, it's fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. anybody else calls me that, dude. They're done but, uh, also i want to make a quick note to say that you know i love all my fraternity and sorority friends uh, don't take that the wrong way but uh, you know being a twinkie is okay it's okay I'm, I'm a little bit that way too anyways go ahead but yeah so like i mean the fobs don't really interact with the twinkies as well because mm-hmm. you with know the fobs with the twinkies what else yep. you look the same but you're not quite the same because you know there's a slight tension there because like you know you don't you're not exactly 100 percent korean or they're not exactly 100 percent american it's a it's, it's just this weird, awkward relationship that's happening right before your eyes. You don't have to go to another country to see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's you You, you almost kind of see it, um, and I, I want to call this like the eye test, but you're walking around campus and you like kind of see which groups or, or cliques are walking together. And this is maybe part of another stereotype that people have associated is that like Asian people already hang out with Asians or something. You know? <laughs> or it's such a small part of the population anyway. So you think that like when the, you do see an Asian person, like, who can blame them, you know? Like, they just uh, got, get, get, grab the closest thing that's familiar, you right. know? <laughs> Something that reminds them of home a little bit. But, like, no, no one seems to give anyone a little bit of rope like that. It's just established as, like, a negative thing. Well, yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, when I was a freshman, my, my college roommate, like, bless his heart, he was kind of ignorant. He asked me, he goes, why do all the Asians hang out? And then I looked at him, I was like, why do all the white people hang out? Yeah. Like, no one yeah. asked the reverse <laughs> question. Like, no, no one asked. Oh, yeah. Everyone questions that everything else that everything else is weird. What I do is normal, you know? And so I'm like, no, yeah. like, how about you You step outside of your own little weird box, right? And recognize that everyone just wants to be comfortable. <laughs> and, like, if that's where you find your comfort, that's where you find your comfort. That's why you have, you know, some Asian dudes that go hang out with white guys because that's where they find their comfort. And then some Asian yeah, guys sh- hang out with Asian guys. It's because where they're... So you share similar hobbies, yeah. similar upbringing. Like, again, that's... What I'm explaining to you is no different than the reasons why you hang out with only what, like other people like you. I'm not going to just say it's uniquely a white thing. Yeah, right. Every group does that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I just give them the most crap for it because they're usually like, the most offenders when it comes to <laughs> questioning it. Because they don't understand, like, because of the fact that they're questioning it at all. Which, anyway, like, um, we talk about clicks and, and, and why people will kind of view that as a negative thing. I Again, I don't, I don't get it. You know what I mean? As in, like, just take a step outside yourself once. I think you maybe look back. Especially all the dumb things that get said to you while you're a kid, you just realize that everyone is so immature and they're just trying to maybe learn their whole worldview. Hopefully, they they actually grow out of it. You know? Right. Hopefully, that's what you're going to college for, and you come less ignorant, not more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, some sometimes that's the case, man. That's just the world we live in. That's America, anyway. This was a. Uh... Yeah, man, it really tied the room together. So this was a valued, uh... Yeah. Tied the room together, dude? My rug. Were you listening to the dude's story, Donnie? Walter. Were you listening to the dude's story? I was bowling. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders in, in the middle of a movie and wants what, to know... Walter, what's the point, man? There's no reason. Here's my point, dude. There's no fucking reason why these... Yeah, two... Walter, what's your point? Huh? Walter, what is the point? Look, we all know who is at fault here. What the fuck are you talking about? Huh? No, what the fuck are you? I'm not. We're talking about unchecked aggression here. What the dude. fuck is he talking my about? My rug. Forget Look, it, Donnie. You're Walter, out of your element. Walter, the Chinaman who peed on my rug, I can't go give him a bill. So what the fuck are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? The Chinaman is not the issue here, dude. I'm talking about drawing a line in the sand, dude. Across this line, you do not. Also, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Asian American, please. Walter. I think he also did Tokyo Drift, which in some form did give a lot of stereotypes to everyone else, but we can yes. get into that later, too. Um, yeah, that was, it set us back maybe like a year or two yeah. <laughs> or ten. I'm not sure. 
But like, I don't think it, I don't know if it made us look any like cooler or not. I think yeah, like people I might just have come up to me way. and they'd be like, "Tokyo!" <laughs> I'd be like, "Bro, shut up!" Like, "Oh my god, I wish that movie never came out." <laughs> it's like, "If you really wanna know," and I'm like, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> like, please. Okay, we want to give a special shout out to some of our intro music, um, which is LC. What you're hearing is LCV Gang by Thai Viet G. And uh, a little bit of shout out and credit given to the Teriyaki Boys, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift for the outro, and also a no thank you and fuck you from me. Yeah, and if you get a chance, go ahead and follow the Two Asians Pod on Instagram. Drop a comment, let us know how you think about the episode, and give us a uh, you know and interact with us on future episodes. Thanks. Oh, if you like what you heard today, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well as on iTunes. Give us a review, um, anywhere between five stars and five stars. And uh, yeah, if you guys get a chance, go ahead, subscribe, uh, review, leave a five star rating for the Apple Podcasts, uh, Two Asians Podcasts. Um, we're right under the two Asians vagina. So uh, if you could get us above them, that would be a huge help. Appreciate it. Please stay with us.